0: Welcome to Top Brew, the show that is best served fresh. Our podcast is sponsored by Thrasher Coffee. Shop at thrashercoffee.com for delicious small batch roasted to order coffees. I am Joe Darnell and joining me today is our special guest, Mr. Reed Hash. Hey, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, Joe, you?
0: I'm doing excellent. You are hailing from Los Angeles, is that right?
1: Currently, yes. I'm in Los Angeles. It's where I go to school, but uh, originally I'm from Houston, Texas.
0: Oh, okay. We've had some friends from Texas before. And what took you to California? What school are you attending?
1: I'm currently a rising senior at University of Southern California in Los Angeles, and I'm uh, majoring in business, minoring in Spanish, and hopefully going to law school when I graduate.
0: How's school trading you there?
1: It's going great. Uh, it's a beautiful setting for to have school. The teachers are amazing. You learn quite a bit and you're in a great institution.
0: You know, one of the things we were talking about before we started our show was how your interest in craft coffee got started. Did that all start in California?
1: It did. It started freshman year with some of my pledge brothers in the fraternity that we were pledging. And we all just started uh, kind of socializing around Starbucks And then after a while, looking into the other, well, we started going to craft coffee shops in Los Angeles as a means to get to know the city a little better and kind of know the city that we're studying in. So through going to all of these different craft coffee shops, we, in our minds, found what we thought was better than Starbucks. And so kind of just went down the rabbit hole from there.
0: Oh, yeah. And see, in your part of the country, in particular, Los Angeles, I would imagine that you have more options to you for the handcrafted coffee culture in the way of independent coffee houses. In our last episode, Eric and I were talking about the differences between made-to-order coffee and -and grab-and-go coffee. Would you say you'll have more options in the way of made-to-order coffee?
1: Oh, most definitely. We have very many um, craft coffee shops, specialty coffee shops, and the like around here. So there's definitely no shortage in that. I,
0: I totally envy you now. I hadn't even <laughs> thought about that until now. It's just like, oh man, see, I, I need to, I need to make more trips to Los Angeles. Just so I can say it's, it's for, it's a business, it's a business trip. Right. Business. And write that off as an expense. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, one of the things that you got to do as you explored your interests and your tastes in coffee was you were exploring coffee internationally when you would be out and about for educational purposes out of the country. Now, what what did you pick up on while you were enjoying coffees around the world? What was new to you and your American understanding about coffee?
1: Yeah, so I was studying abroad last semester in Spain for my Spanish minor. So on the weekends and stuff, I would go to other countries and in Spain. And I think the biggest um, thing that I found surprising was that American coffee has much more water in it than other than other countries' coffees. All of their coffee is just straight espresso. Um, They don't do drip coffee. They don't do pour overs, any of that. What they think of coffee is espresso.
0: So not even like the French press or the coffee press, I should say. Would they call the drink from the coffee press that you encountered there, would they call that an espresso? Or would they just make it more concentrated than perhaps we make it here in the U.S.?
1: Pretty much everywhere that you go, every hole in the wall cafe would have Every restaurant would have an espresso machine. That makes sense. So they make all of their coffees with espresso machines. Interesting. It's not impossible to find a French press or something, but you'd be very stressed to do so.
0: You see, the espresso machine gives you the most flexibility from any sort of brewing machine in a restaurant. So I can see why you would start there and take it elsewhere if you wanted to dilute it and make specialty drinks. Or like, you know, you and others have pointed out, to them, that's just coffee. They're going to take it black or, you know, with well, little room for cream. And it's that's just normal. You know, an espresso is what they drink. I, I find that startling. So did, did it seem unusual to anyone there? I imagine they're quite used to it.
1: Right, yeah, they're, they're very used to it. And for the people, for the other students that I was traveling with, they also found it interesting because they ended up missing so much just the quantity of coffee that they could get.
0: Oh, yeah, because it's an experience to drink the 12 ounces or whatever it is you have.
1: Right. And um, when all you have is your just little sip or two of a cappuccino or cafe con leche or whatever espresso drink that you're drinking, it's gone pretty quickly. And in America, we're used to having a longer experience
0: did y'all have an experience at a uh, Starbucks in Spain?
1: Yes. What was that like? It was different. Um, it, in some ways it was familiar and that was comforting. But again, most of their, all of their drinks were espresso drinks, which huh. was shocking um, at a Starbucks.
0: So mostly a different menu altogether. Yes. Did they have their hot teas, you know, those hot teas that, you know, practically nobody drinks and, you know, even Starbucks baristas don't know how to prepare. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Because no one drinks them that much, or at least not that I know, I didn't think to pay attention to that.
0: My brother drinks them. I think he keeps them on the menu. Okay. Yeah, besides him, nobody else. Right. Well, I, I know they're more European in quality just because they're hot teas. It's not especially popular in the US. And it doesn't seem like any sort of restaurants in the states that I'm not many of them that I'm aware of really know how to make a proper hot tea. So I just, I had to ask because, you know, you were trying out Starbucks in international lands. So right, one more thing I had about the international coffee scene, did y'all try to work with the baristas there and to, uh, to have them prepare you a coffee the way that you're accustomed to? Did you say, well, Hey, can you make it like this as an Americano and, and give me some extra water or anything like that to try and prepare a traditional American coffee?
1: Oh yes. We had many struggles with that. Yeah. What was that like? Every time that we would try to order an Americano, and that's, I think, why they call it that, is just because we as Americans like it with more water, and so when you call it an Americano...
0: Oh, I see, yeah. Okay.
1: But to them, an Americano is not drip coffee. It's not true American coffee like we drink it. They will just run water through the portafilter of the espresso machine for longer, which I thought was just a crying shame because that water is so hot and pressurized, that you end up just scorching the beans. And so you might get a taller cup of coffee, but it just has this acrid taste that I was just not a fan of.
0: Interesting. So they couldn't really pull off our kind of coffee if they wanted to, unless uh, you know they were shown some other method, hand crafting it over the oven and you know maybe with the stove top with a water kettle and something like that.
1: Right. And they could have done a decent Americano if they had just pulled the espresso shot and then added water after the fact from not straight through the Porter filter, but they weren't familiar with uh, making American coffee. So it just didn't occur to them, I suppose. Well, then that
0: leads into the next question. How do you take your coffee?
1: I take my coffee black in whatever form I'm drinking it in. I do like to vary between cold brew, espresso, pour overs, what have you, but um, pretty much always black.
0: You're comfortable making cold brew for yourself? I am, yes. So how do you do it? What is, what is your method?
1: You know, I started off with a toddy, um, and that is sort of a, a French press of, of cold brew makers, if you will. You just kind of dump a bunch of coffee grounds in a plastic bucket with some water, let it sit overnight, and then it drains through a filter, and then you have uh, cold brew. And that's that's really convenient for making easy cold brew, and that's what most specialty coffee shops or any coffee shop that serves cold brew We'll probably use a toddy just because you can make it in such large batches. But now I've moved on to using a drip tower just because one, it's a little more aesthetically pleasing. It's also sort of a work of art. And then it's more of the pour over version of cold brew making because instead of an immersion, the, the water slowly drips through the coffee grounds. And so the coffee grounds are never just sitting in the water.
0: Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I've seen some, but I've never used one. Now, do you notice a huge difference in the flavor profiles between the two methods? Or is it really boiled down to the the convenience, the elegance, and the efficiency of the one unit over the other?
1: There is a slight taste difference, I would say. I think the cold, the drip tower um, makes a slightly cleaner cup and has some, sort of a, a boozy, sort of like whiskey feel to it. Nice, <laughs> which is very enjoyable, yes. But it is so so much more gosh darn expensive that <laughs> I'm not sure for anyone that it would be uh, that it would be that much worth it. I picked up mine while I was abroad, so it was a little cheaper than anything you could find here. So
0: you got your drip tower. Then what do you use for the rest of your your daily coffee, your hot coffee? What is your current coffee brewing gear at home or in the uh, actually in your room?
1: I guess at the school, right? So you know, I bounced around between a lot of different things. At one point, um, I was making espresso, and then I had an Aeropress.
0: Well, real quick though, how were you making espresso at school?
1: You know, I, I did I did spring for an espresso machine, a little one, little Rancilio Silvia. So that was fun. But then I had a an Aeropress, and then a a Chemex, and now I think just because of the pure convenience of it. I'm doing the V60, which I know y'all have talked about on this show before.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely up there in terms of the convenience factor efficiency, And I could see how anyone could use that in their dorm. Great for beginners and, and very satisfying for experienced coffee drinkers.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So what do you do to heat your water? Do you measure your ground? You know, what do you do?
1: Um, so I have a, I have a kettle, a Bonavita electric kettle that I just have in my room. Um, which is very convenient. It's electric, so no fuss there. And then for measuring my beans, I do have a scale and then a Barazzo Vario grinder, a burr grinder that I use that is just super quick and consistent. So that's nice.
0: I use the exact same water kettle. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very fond of it. It's last very uh, very well over the last year, year and a half, I guess I've had it. Did you keep that plastic cover that goes over the base that it says, you know, protective to, you know, shield it from water and the like? I never really thought it was necessary. It just looked kind of ridiculous.
1: Yeah, you know, I I kept it around for a little bit just because I didn't feel right throwing it away because it told me to keep it. But after a year or something, I think I lost it and who knows where it is, but I haven't been missing it.
0: It doesn't really make sense. Like (laughs) if I need this plastic shield, then you made your base plate wrong. (laughs) You (laughs) need to go back to the the design room and, and change something. Exactly. So thankfully, that hasn't been a problem because I, I haven't used it since basically the second day with my, with that
1: kettle. Yeah, no, it's not been a problem.
0: Well, then now that you've established you got, you've had some experience with an espresso machine there at college, and you've also used the AeroPress and you've got your Hario V60. You have all the coffee gear you could ever want, right? You're all done? You're settled? It's going to be the Hario from this moment forth?
1: You know, I, as much as I would like to say that there's something else that um, I'm really itching to have or add to the collection, right now I think that that's kind of it for me. I'm I'm content with what I have, and I'm sure something will come up later, but I'm good right now.
0: And that makes complete sense. I I am actually very satisfied with my Aeropress coffee every day, except for this one occasion. It was two weeks ago. No, oh, it was it was a very bitter experience. Let me tell you oh, Reed, no. because. I was at my coffee station in the corner of the kitchen and I needed to turn and grab something. I don't remember what it was, but my wrist's watch got caught on the edge of the top of my inverted AeroPress and yeah, it spills. That means the the grounds go everywhere. The, 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 what was steeping is going everywhere Mm -hmm. all over my leg. And it was, uh, the temperature of the water was like 190 The worst experience. I I think that if I had had that experience, like the first month I had an AeroPress, I would have just thrown it away.
1: Yikes. Yeah.
0: After that experience, I was just like, you know, there is something to be said that this is probably one of the more hazardous (laughs) brewing (laughs) devices there are when you're (laughs) using it in the inverted position. Uh, Just got to be super careful. You can't, you can't allow for any mistakes with the hot water. But that being said, I'm very content with it. And if there was anything I could invest in, I'd probably invest in a fancy espresso machine so that I could treat my wife and family and guests to some uh, more dessert-like beverages after dinners. But that'd be about the only thing I would need to do. I don't need anything for my daily cup of coffee. I don't need to change that. Right. So because you got started, though, with coffee in college, I see how that could uniquely influence your tastes and where you've taken coffee to date. So what is the most important thing about coffee to you? And why did you originally take an interest in coffee?
1: You know, coffee started for me as, I think, a social aspect in freshman year. Just it was an easy way to get to know people, make new friends. It's just, hey, you want to grab a cup of coffee together at Starbucks? You want to meet at Starbucks? It just kind of, it turned out, uh, it started out as a social thing. But as, as I've gravi- gravitated more towards making coffee in my own room, um, coffee to me now, while sometimes when my friends and I will go out to a, a coffee shop together, it can be very social then. But I think for the most part, um, coffee to me represents just a break from, from the busyness and just a moment that I can have to kind of just be still and um, collect my thoughts.
0: So it's like a punctuation throughout the day to just take some rest and intentionally daydream, sort of unwind, get prepared for the the work ahead of you.
1: Exactly. Because in a world where we so often choose to be busy, it's good to every now and then choose to take a moment.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's interesting that most of the people that I've talked to said that they got interested in coffee for social reasons, that it didn't begin with the interest in caffeine. It didn't begin because it was just a tasty beverage, but it was because they they actually realized all the social experiences people have around coffee. And well, why not? You know, everybody else is enjoying some coffee. Let's uh, shoot the breeze and enjoy a coffee together.
1: Right. I was drinking coffee before I became interested in it but I became interested in it via the social aspect because we would go to so many different other places. And so I was exposed to a range and that's where I really kind of realized that there was, there could be more to it.
0: Mm, Interesting. Well, here we'll continue in a moment. I want to say thanks to our first and our only sponsor of the week. Thrasher is a small batch roaster of high quality, responsibly sourced coffee. They don't roast until you order, so you can be assured that the beans you brew are as fresh as you can get without roasting them yourself. Thrasher sources beans from anywhere in the world, and every bag is a full 16-ounce pound. That's 30% more coffee beans than other craft roasters will pack these days, so you're definitely getting more beans for every buck. Thrasher doesn't roast for supermarkets. They roast exclusively for interested coffee drinkers that are exploring the coffee culture online and listeners like you discerning coffee lovers that are interested in fine coffees around the world. Not everybody has a craft roaster near home. So if you're not in one of the lucky few with a craft roaster nearby, you can get to, you need to check out the coffee that's available online. There's many like Thrasher coffee and they'll serve you up something very delicious. The only way to ensure that you're brewing the freshest coffee is to, you know, get a subscription so you don't have to think about it anymore. It'll just show up in the mail in a box, fresh and ready to go every two or four weeks. And their planned prices just start at $17.99 per pound and shipping is always a flat rate of $5. You choose from their roasts, then you choose what you want them to deliver to your door. Thresher always treats top brew listeners like the beautiful coffee brewers that y'all are. You'll get 25% off of your purchase with the coupon code TOPBREW at checkout. So my thanks to Thrasher Coffee for supporting Top Brew, which is this podcast and the website. So Reed, returning to our discussion, I found it interesting that you, like so many others, have pointed out that the social experience is where it all begins. So Reed, then who is your coffee bean supplier and why do you prefer
1: them? I would probably say that my favorite coffee bean supplier right now is four barrel, which is a roaster based out of San Francisco, but there, since I'm in Los Angeles, they can be a little harder to come by. Um, And it definitely, if I ever find them, I'll pick up a bag, but um, really it's wherever I, wherever I go out to whenever I need a bag, um, I'll go grab a friend and we'll go get some coffee and then I'll just um, grab a bag from wherever we go. And as, as much as I am for ritual, um, th- having a ritual, I also enjoy variety in types of coffee and suppliers and things.
0: Now, what especially attracted you to Four Barrel?
1: I just, I really liked their Ethiopian. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan of the African coffees, the more lighter, floral, fruity flavors. And I had a bag of their, their that was my first coffee that I had coming back from abroad. A friend of mine bought me a bag of Ethiopian four barrel as a welcome back gift. And maybe it was just cause I hadn't had good coffee in so long, but <laughs> it really just fell in love with it.
0: It does hit the spot when it's been a while. I know the people who wanted to, you know, sort of like um, uh, decaffeinate every now and then they get off the coffee for a while and then they get back on again, how they, they just say like the coffee just seems oh, so much better when they, they, re- they relish it <laughs> when they're, they've gotten accustomed to not having any coffee again. So right. I can see why that would be especially unique. I think, man, that'd make a great gift. If we could just ask everyone to stop drinking coffee on December 1st, and then when all the gift games ensue and everybody winds up with a bag of coffee, they'll be convinced that it tasted delicious.
1: There you go. And why not send it to them from Thrasher coffee?
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I'm sure that they could appreciate that gift game idea. Right. Just tell everybody stop drinking coffee. It's, it's a coffee gift game exchange.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It'll be great. So when
0: do you drink your coffee? Is it developed as part of a routine?
1: I wouldn't say that there's a hard set, um, except for it's the first thing that I drink in the morning besides some water. I definitely have to have my coffee first thing in the morning. But other than that, I wouldn't say that I really have a hard set schedule on when Mm -hmm. else I drink coffee. You have the habit of drinking water
0: first thing or after the coffee?
1: Oh, right when I, I, it's on my nightstand. You know, as soon as I wake up, I reach for the water.
0: See, okay. I I don't know many people who have that habit. So I haven't had a chance to ask, do you also have water right before you go to bed?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I, I carry around a bottle of water with me wherever I go. I feel like I'm constantly thirsty.
0: Okay. And and that makes a bit more sense in California and, and in Texas really, because you'll have drier climates than we do in my area. It's so humid here that practically no one thinks about drinking water. I mean, I do, and I kind of have to force myself into the habit.
1: Yeah. Houston's actually very humid as well, but it wasn't until I moved to California that I picked up the water bottle necessity. So yeah, it probably is the drier climate. It doesn't upset
0: your stomach when you're getting up in the morning. I find that that's the problem for me. I usually want to have my coffee first because the this water in an empty stomach kind of bothers me.
1: It actually, I don't think it does. It
0: affects everybody a little differently.
1: Yeah. Mm. For me, it's it's what I crave.
0: So beyond the water you'll have coffee intermittently throughout the day. How many cups would you say you cap it off at?
1: I'll probably average around two cups of coffee throughout the day, one in the morning and then one in mid-afternoon kind of as where I might want to nap. I'll probably, you know, drink coffee instead. <laughs> yeah, same here. Yeah, but every once in a while, um, if there, especially if we go to a new city and they have some coffee shops that we'll want to try, I can definitely overload it just because I want to try all the different um, shops in the area and probably end up having maybe like four cups in a day. Huh.
0: And see when you're traveling anyway, you throw out all the routines out the window because you none of them are relevant when you're living in a hotel room or you're living in the car or at your, you know, your in-laws or wherever you happen to find yourself. So I can see like all the routines just shed away when you're traveling and that would be what I would do. I would probably end up drinking more coffee, especially there was this one time we were on vacation in San Jose and I would get up every day and I would have some local coffee there and it would just end up of like affecting everything I did. I ended up drinking like four or five cups a day. Yeah. I think that probably a lot of people increase their, their coffee intake when they're away from home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case.
0: So then how do you control your caffeine intake? Do you really care about that? Do you have to monitor it and be careful because it gives you the jitters or headaches or anything like that?
1: I would probably say the only consistent time in my life that I was maybe overdoing it on caffeine was when I was younger and just drinking so many so many sodas was probably when I was maybe getting the most caffeine. Although I do know that sodas have less caffeine than than coffee, so I never really measured it. But you're drinking a lot more, yeah. right. But these days, I don't drink sodas anymore. I average about two cups.
0: Do you think that the coffee replaced the sodas that you were having?
1: Maybe, probably. I do have a defining moment when I stopped drinking sodas, though. I was just drinking so many. And then one day, my sister kind of said that I want a brother when I'm older. And oh. I, was, I was like, wow, that kind of scared me. So I um, stopped drinking sodas then.
0: Yeah, I have a few friends like that I'm worried about. And they, they marvel that I just have one or two cups of coffee a day and I'll near nearly never have a soda. And so, and then I'm like, well, you know, I, I can, I can stomach the coffee because I'm only having one or two cups a day and I have no you know, no Cokes, no Dr. Peppers. And meanwhile, they have like Dr. Pepper at their desk all the time. It, it baffles the mind. Yeah. Did that, did it affect you, especially when you got off of the, the sodas, did you notice an impact on the caffeine and, you know, sort of cutting it out of your diet?
1: I think probably I did feel a little drowsier in the beginning, but then I probably leveled off. And, um, now I think I, I mean, I feel like I have more energy during the day, which is nice. So
0: it's interesting how that works, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who completely abstains from any caffeine whatsoever because of that reason. He feels a lot better without any. But it's a rotten shame because he had to cut out coffee so. Ah, uh, the poor fella. Shame. Do, do you have any favorite mugs that you prefer to use? You know, being a college guy, I don't know if you would just take a special fondness to one yet or not.
1: Yeah, I I you know, I've listened to all your podcasts before and I I know you've asked other guests this question and everyone always has like an answer of some fun fun mug that they've picked up from uh, something that has a, a sentimental value to them. But for me, I really just I bought a mug from a ceramic store out of necessity. I needed a mug when I was here and um, it's just a plain white mug, but I, I really enjoy it. It's the perfect size. It's the perfect thickness of the rim, you know, and and all of the things that I would want, but it's just a, it's just a plain white mug.
0: So then that makes a lot of sense. I wasn't especially fond of any particular cup until my wife and kids were trying to buy me some. And then it was my sister who really nailed it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was my sister that found just the right thing for me. And I wasn't looking for mugs for myself either. Back when I got married, my wife and I w- would try to stop at Starbucks whenever we were on the road traveling and taking vacations. So we would try to get a coffee mug at Starbucks that had the name of the city on the mug. Mm. And for a while, you could always find mugs like that at Starbucks, but then they stopped carrying them. And my, my San Francisco mug is got a crack through it. And that drives me nuts because it's actually my, my favorite of that collection. Mm. I love the colors on it, Ah. but, uh, yeah, yeah. So anyone listening to the show, friends of Reed, uh, you know what to get him for Christmas. (laughs) We have all his gift ideas figured out on this episode, right? Hit the rewind, make the list. It's pretty, it's pretty obvious. We know what we got to get this guy, (laughs) get some coffees from abroad, get some thrasher coffee, get some fancy mugs you'll be set. Exactly. It's (laughs) all there. So is there anything you'd like to add about coffee for the discussion?
1: You know, I probably just, I like the message that your podcast has and that while I would like to, I would like it if people knew more about the different types of coffee that were out there and how it can be different at the end of the day, it is all up to your preference and you drink your coffee how you want. Yeah. But I would definitely encourage you to at least know all the options before choosing your favorite because how else would you know?
0: Nice. All right, Reid. So where can people find you online if they want to follow up?
1: You know, I'm not the most um, social media uh, involved, but I am on Snapchat at hashtag spelled out 220. I know it's lame. Made it when I was young.
0: (laughs) Hashtag 220. What is 220 for? Is that a reference?
1: That was just when I was younger and picking usernames for emails and stuff. All of the just with the my name or whatever was taken, so I just added some arbitrary numbers and
0: yeah. Most of the boring usernames back in the day, you know, had the year you were born or the age you were looking forward to becoming.
1: <laughs> right.
0: You just said, ah, oh, screw this. Is these are just numbers? Who cares? <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks, Reed, for joining me.
1: Of course, thanks for having me.
0: And thank you all for listening to the special interview of Top Brew. You will find the show notes at topbrew.fm slash podcast slash 30. If you would like to keep up to date, follow us on Twitter at topbrewfm. You can also find us at facebook.com slash topbrewfm. And if you are a barista, a roaster, a connoisseur, a student, or just your average Joe with an opinion about coffee that you would like to share, then please email me about getting an interview on another episode of the Top Brew Podcast. Send that to joe at topbrew.fm. We want an audience participation, as they say. And what listeners really want to hear are all the people that care about coffee and relish it as much as they do. And I want to give a special thanks again to our sponsor, Thrasher Coffee, to show your support of this podcast. Enjoy Thrasher Coffee and let them know that we sent you. Use the coupon code Top Brew to get twenty five percent off of your order. I am Joe Darnell. Thanks for listening to the Top Brew podcast. <laughs> Another question I meant to ask you earlier about the cold brew, uh, do you prepare enough to drink for the morning and the afternoon or do you just, you know, have it once a day when you, when you make it?
1: Yeah. Um, it, it'll, it'll make a batch, so it'll make, um, you know, a few glasses. Um, but I usually only have that in the afternoon when I wake up in the morning, I want my pour over or something. Yeah.
0: That makes a little bit of sense. It just seems more appropriate to have the hot beverage in the morning and something cooler later, right?
1: Right. Definitely.
0: Like when my coffee gets, you know, sort of like room temperature or cool, I usually just shrug and go on. I don't bother (laughs) to reheat it. I know some people who are very finicky about the temperature of their coffee and they won't drink it. They'll just leave the cup abandoned Mm. when it, when it drops, you know, but I I haven't gone that way. I I just think, Hey, you know, it's, it's the way it naturally goes, right? It doesn't seem to really affect the taste so long as you get to it kind of quickly.
1: Right. Well, you know, I actually think that as a as a hot cup of coffee cools, you actually get an amazing transformation in the flavors. Like, you definitely pick up on things that weren't there before, and then some disappear. Like, I feel like the taste profile of the cup drastically changes.
0: See, so, you know, I, I haven't really noticed that, but that is something that Eric would agree with you about. He's he's thought about that a lot. And I wonder sometimes if it's because most of his coffee over the years was hotter coffee from the Hario and From the French press, he'd have, you know, prepared coffee over 200 degrees, whereas I'm already starting at something in the round 180. Okay. And so the flavor profile doesn't change as dramatically as it drops, perhaps?
1: Maybe, yeah. I've always, like, the reason I'm super into coffee, and maybe the reason I noticed that is my friends always tell me that I have the human superpower of of a heightened sense of smell, and I can always just, like, smell everything. So uh, that probably translates to taste as well.
0: Huh? Yeah. See, my wife has that too. And usually it backfires in our relationship. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.